Have you received a difficult diagnosis? Or maybe you're a friend or a mom or a sister who has someone dear to you who has gone through a difficult time. We are going to be talking about a message of hope today and how there is hope in the middle of difficult diagnosis and treatments. And I have a beautiful friend with me today who is here to share her story of surviving through a cancer battle and how she has come out the other end and seen God's faithfulness through it. And I am just so glad that you're going to be able to hear her story of faithfulness today. So her name is Kelly, and she is a mom of four children. They are eight, six, and two that are four years old. And she has wonderful little twin boys. She is a homeschool mom and is a lover of the outdoors, all things nature and outside. And I love watching her outdoor adventures with her children. You will too. If you do not follow her yet, um, you need to look her up on Instagram at SoCalNatureKids and follow along her adventures and she will help give you some tools to get outside with your children too. So I know you're going to be glad that you joined us today for this conversation. Hi friends. Welcome to the Seek Holy Living Podcast with Christus Faboda. I am a wife to my wonderful husband, mom to my five precious children, and a friend to some amazing moms that I can't wait to introduce to you. Mothering is not a journey meant to be traveled alone. Join me every Monday for a new podcast where you will find hope, joy, and purpose. Kelly Sippin, I'm so glad you're here with me today. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Well, this is going to be such a good conversation. So I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce yourself. So I'm Kelly. I'm a homeschool mom of four, and I am a cancer survivor. And I want to make it really clear right from the outset that I am a survivor. I'm in remission. I'm in good health now mm-hmm. and done with all of my treatment. I love that. So Share with us, when your treatment started and all of that, it did not start with your diagnosis, unfortunately. There was a story that led up to your your diagnosis. So let's start there. Yes. So we'll kind of get right into the middle mm. of the story. Um, even before anyone was diagnosed with anything, my family had already gone through a lot. I had four kids in four years. And so... <laughs> That's at, enough. <laughs> yes. And we had just moved overseas uh, to Asia as aid workers. And mm. so we were overseas. I had a five-year-old, a two-year-old, and one-year-old twins. And we were overseas getting settled into our new life there in a country that we loved, but it's a war-torn country, developing a lot of challenges and living there. And while we were there, we got a phone call from back home here in California that my mom had been diagnosed with advanced stage four breast cancer. Um, She had had cancer when I was a kid, but then was in really good health for another 20 plus years. And so it was kind of surprising to us to know that she was already pretty far along in her in her disease that she Mm. was dealing with. Um, She had been working as a kindergarten teacher and was like a beloved grandma to my kids. And so we found out that she was sick and we planned to visit to come back pretty soon. But we were actually in Dubai, which is near where we were living in Asia, kind of on a quick trip there. We didn't have anything with us because we were planning to load up our suitcases with stuff from Ikea in Dubai and take (laughs) it all back with us to our new home. 
So we each had like two outfits and all these empty suitcases. And while we were there, we got a message from my sister that said, mom's going to have to have emergency surgery on her spine. Mm. You have to come home. And so we hopped on a plane. Thankfully, we were already in Dubai, but we hopped on a plane, took a direct flight back here, and we're home within 24 hours, just in shock of like, (laughs) (laughs) we were in one place, now we're halfway around the world, and my mom was dying at that point. Mm. Mm. So then, so then what, what happened with your mom? So we stayed here for about two months and it was kind of chaotic. We were living in a hotel and with your two outfits. Yes. <laughs> my my sister loved me some clothes. <laughs> um, but it was so chaotic. My husband was mm. really just trying to manage our four kids. Mm-hmm. And I was with my mom every day. She was in a lot of pain. We were going to the hospital on and off for different treatments. She was in the hospital for a while. Um, trying to navigate just knowing that her life was ending and so trying to get through both the day-to-day of just she was in pain and trying to care for her for her health but also that we were trying to just anticipate what does it mean just to walk through the grief of knowing that your mom is dying and so um, yeah so we stayed here for about two months and then at some point my mom was on hospice we knew we didn't know quite how long she would be around for, but our life was back in Asia yeah, now. You That's, couldn't just stay here forever. Right. Yeah. And so we went ahead and said our goodbyes, which was obviously very difficult. Mm. Um, but we said our goodbyes and then flew back to Asia to kind of get settled in at, in our home again. So then you're in Asia, you're back home, and you've got your two babies mm-hmm. who are like nursing babies, mm-hmm. like little babies. Mm-hmm. And then what? So I we had only been back like a week. We were still jet lagged. And one morning I was nursing the boys and felt a lump in my own breast. Mm. And obviously, you know, there can be all sorts of things that breastfeeding's mom mom's face that's nothing. Um, but especially knowing my mom's own history mm-hmm. I got it checked out right away and uh, within about a week or so I had been diagnosed that I had aggressive stage two breast cancer myself mm-hmm. and so mine was treatable we knew that that it wasn't nearly as far along as my mom's had been but obviously it was something that needed to be dealt with mm-hmm. and you even saw God's hand though in you being there to get diagnosed because in my mind if I was here I would think well that's better I'm in I'm in America mm-hmm. I'm able to get the treatment but you even saw mm-hmm. God's hand in where you were starting your treatment yeah it was kind of weird because we were in a country that itself doesn't have very good medical care but there were other aid workers in our community other mm-hmm. doctors from the U.S. and other countries that were part of our community. So I felt this and I texted somebody and by the next day I had an appointment with a doctor who checked it out, said, you need to go to Dubai where they have medical med- better medical care. Mm-hmm. Within a couple of days we were in Dubai. I mean, so it was really quick. There wasn't the sense of like insurance getting approved or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm grateful that it seems strange that we got such a quick diagnosis there versus here, but it really, yeah, helped. Yeah. And then when then I know you guys had to then start treatment like quickly. Mm-hmm. So what did that look like for your family? So this whole time was just it's sort of a blur in I'm some sure. ways of just what was happening and everything. 
Um, we knew I couldn't get treatment there. Mm -hmm. And so we needed to move back here. And at this point, my mom was still alive. This had all happened just within Mm -hmm. a few weeks from when we were in the U.S. And at the time, I remember feeling like, why in the world did we even come back here? Like we just, we had now made three cross the world trips with these four kids. Little children. (laughs) Right. Why were we here? And now I can look back with a lot of gratitude that the Lord allowed us to go back because we were able to make our goodbyes and have closure there. Whereas if I would have been diagnosed, you know, Mm -hmm. what if I would have felt this lump two weeks earlier when I was already in California? And I think, but we would have never been able to go back and have that closure there. Mm -hmm. And so we had just about a week or so from that diagnosis to when we actually flew back permanently to the U.S., And it was crazy, but I also look back and see how like the Lord was at work so much in that time through our community there. Mm -hmm. We had about six other American families plus our, some local people who lived in that country and who worked with our organization. And they just rallied around us in such an amazing Mm -hmm. way. We had one woman who was part of our team who would show up at our house every morning that week with here's breakfast for your kids. I'm going to help you guys pack. And so I was basically just going through because obviously we didn't want to take back every single thing back on the plane with us. So I would go through and kind of say, take this, leave this. And she would pack it Mm. all up into our things. We had another teammate who took family pictures for us in our yard. So we had Mm. a special memory of our time there. And Another friend who kind of worked to just rally everybody, she would just text me, okay, Kelly, what do you need today? And she would coordinate it. And mm-hmm. so we really just felt people coming alongside us. Our We had someone who worked as our gatekeeper. That's part of the culture there. And mm-hmm. so he had helped. Um, he was local to that country. And he heard one day that we were going to be leaving and the next day he was back with two dresses for our daughters that his his own daughter had sewn she had never met our kids but she had seen a picture of them and had sewn these dresses for them Mm -hmm. and said here you go and they were like custom fit to their own bodies it was just really amazing just to have the love and support of people around us at that time and so that wasn't actually even treatment for this your disease that mm-hmm. you were going to be having to battle, but for mm-hmm. your hearts to prepare you mm-hmm. for what was to come. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. beautiful. And we'll talk more on that in a little bit too, mm-hmm. about ways that people can be that. Because yes. I think that's so important that mm-hmm. Lord willing, most of us will not go through mm-hmm. the same journey that you've been through. Mm-hmm. But I think everyone will know someone mm-hmm. who's been down, maybe not the same path, but mm-hmm. a similar path. Yeah. So we can be those hands and feet. Mm-hmm. So we'll get to that some more. Yeah. So then you come to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And what did that look like with your husband's work even mm-hmm. and all of that? So that was another way that God just really provided. Because we were working for this aid organization, he actually was on paid medical leave to care for us for the mm-hmm. next several months. And as I share in a moment, kind of what we went through, I just can't imagine what it's like for people who don't have that. And I realized that that's not an option for everybody. But for us, it was a way that the Lord provided that he was able just to focus mm-hmm. on caring for us because there wasn't really anything for him to do. I mean, mm-hmm. he he would have worked if there would have been a way to do it. But it was sort of like, uh, what is Since there? your work was in another country, right. you had to leave. Right. <laughs> there wasn't really much option for anything else. And what about with your kids? Because you had been a... I mean, a full-time mm-hmm. stay-at-home mom yeah. with your little children. And then now you can't, you 
couldn't be mm-hmm. everything yeah. and fight this mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. So what, what happened yeah. there? So basically what happened is we got back to the U.S. and we kind of in the middle of this, my mom did pass away. Mm. So we got home on a Friday. We celebrated Christmas and which was <laughs> thrown in there was kind of an afterthought. Oh, it's Christmas. Um, and then my mom did pass away the following week. And so obviously it was horrible. I'm really glad that I was able, though, mm-hmm. to be here with her. And in the midst of that, though, I was also starting my own care. So I remember going to the hospital the day after my mom had died, and I'm getting like a CT scan or an MRI or something like that. And they're, oh, so how are you? Which I kind of wanted to say for any cancer patient. <laughs> how do you even to respond that. to that? But especially my mom's just died. I mean, it was just like... I'm fine. I I mean, it was just Mm. so hard and so overwhelming for all of these things. And we ended Mm. up moving. My husband and I are both from Southern California, but we didn't really know exactly where to go when we got back Mm because we didn't have a house. We didn't have anything to return to. We'd moved all our stuff overseas. And so we ended up settling in an apartment community where... A friend of ours from overseas, she had been a part of our team in Asia. She happened to also be from Southern California. And she said, well, where are you guys going to go? I said, I don't know. California makes sense. That's where our families are, but we don't know where. And she said, well, I know of this apartment complex that has housing specifically for missionaries and aid workers. And so we sent in an application or an email through their website. And they said... "Um, well, usually we don't have any housing available unless you let us know like a year in advance. Like people plan this mm-hmm. out that they're going to be back. And so, but we just happened to have something available that wow. opened up, you know. And so we were able to move in there within a couple of weeks of getting back to the wow. US, which was just like God's perfect yes. hand. And we ended up living there for about 18 months. And it just ended up mm. to be the best community for us that we had friends who were going through similar things. They could understand the overseas lifestyle Mm -hmm. and um, playmates for our kids because there were a lot of other families there. It was heavily subsidized rent. And so Mm -hmm. we weren't dealing with California real estate prices. And in the midst of all of that, there was also a school nearby where my dad had been working for the past seven years or so at a great distance to him. He lived in another part of Los Angeles. It was like an hour commute for him to get to this school, but for some reason he had always been there. Well, when we moved into this apartment complex, the school my dad had been working was just a few minutes away in a way that only the Lord could have orchestrated. And kind of similarly to the apartment complex, they said, well, usually we're full, but we happen to have two spots in- For two little girls, right? right. <laughs> exactly, your girls' ages. Oh, and so they provided childcare then at this preschool for me through the whole treatment. And wow. so they were able to just cover that need in a way that wow. we never, I never could have orchestrated it that way. I never could have planned out six months ahead of time. Oh, I know I'm going to have cancer in January and I'm right. going to need this, but just the Lord just provided in mm. such a way. That's so beautiful, especially even the comfort that it gave you that it's a place your dad had been mm-hmm. because you would not have been. I, I know mm-hmm. you that you're not the mom to be like, well, there's a place that's close by. They can mm-hmm. take my girls. They'll be fine. Right. But that God gave you, it's almost mm-hmm. like it was a separate home that mm-hmm. they can be loved here well during mm-hmm. this time. Yeah. Wow. 
That's incredible. Mm-hmm. So then let's talk about your treatment. So yes. your treatment had to start. Mm-hmm. And what did that, how long was your treatment, first of all, from start start to end? So the really intense part was about five months. Mm-hmm. And then a couple more years of less intense things. So mm-hmm. I think the part that you think of when you hear of someone's going through cancer treatment was I had chemo and then I had a mastectomy surgery. And so I had four months of chemo and that was what I think you would imagine chemotherapy is like for the average person. I lost my hair. I was really sick. Um, I had days, I would have chemo on Mondays every other week and everybody's is different, but Mm -hmm. that was mine was every two weeks. And that first week I remember I would come home, you know, Monday night, put on my pajamas And like Friday, I would change out of those pajamas. Mm. Like I was just in bed, sick, unable really to do anything. I did read a bedtime story to my oldest daughter every night. And that was like the one thing that I was like, I can do that Mm. if she comes and joins me on the couch. But otherwise, you know, for like five days, I just felt horrible. And then it would get a little bit better. I would have a few days where we were able to go out. We would go on nature walks Mm. or go to Disneyland or whatever. And then it would kind of repeat over again and so that was about four months and then I had a mastectomy and then that recovery and then it kind of got easier from there so how did people support you while you were getting your treatment so we had such a community that came around us and people who had been supporting our work overseas or just people in the area (laughs) who brought meals who donated money who sent cards um, we had a few trusted people who we knew I wouldn't have just sent my kids to anybody mm-hmm. like you were saying, yeah. but we had a couple people who showed up and watched our boys a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a woman who we didn't even know connected to the apartment complex who would come and just read to the boys for an hour once a week. And wow. it was just so sweet. Even now they still have memories of her and just that sweet time that they look back on that mm-hmm. time with good memories, not of sadness and that seems like such a little thing but that's mm-hmm. not a little thing no when it, you have two little boys who need right. to be touched on right. and loved mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just my husband then was able to have an hour to himself mm-hmm. that he wasn't having to take care of them and then another thing that stands out is in the midst of all of this as I was grieving my mom I had my my mom's funeral was kind of in the middle of this and I had two friends my childhood best friend and also my college best friend mm-hmm. she was my roommate and I'm not really even in touch with either of them terribly often. It's not like we regularly text or anything like that. And they both showed up from out of state for the funeral. Both just flew down yeah. and didn't say, oh, I'm thinking about coming. Would you like me to be there? Mm-hmm. But they just showed up. And I just think back on that with just like such memories of how their friendship made what was this horrible day of grieving my mom into actually this day where I felt supported and loved mm-hmm. and cared for. I think that's huge. And I think that's such a good reminder that when the Holy Spirit prompts something on our hearts, we don't need to ask someone else Mm -hmm. for a further affirmation Mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit's leading. Mm -hmm. We need to be obedient and say, okay, yes, I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Because do you think you might have said, oh, it's fine. Right. I'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for thinking Mm -hmm. about it. So just Mm -hmm. do it. Mm -hmm. Just help the person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even with meals too, Mm -hmm. because you don't have to know someone well. Mm -hmm. The people who I'm sure you weren't close friends with everyone who brought you a meal Mm -hmm. or sent you a gift card Mm -hmm. or 
something like that. Just doing it. Yeah. That's wonderful. Okay. So when someone is in a place of crisis Mm -hmm. and they have to take that next step Mm -hmm. in life and move forward because you can't Mm -hmm. just sit in it, Mm -hmm. what advice would you give to them? Well, I really like this song came out since my, um, since I was going through treatment, but in Frozen 2, you know, Anna sings, do the next right thing. Do the next right Um, thing, yes. (laughs) And that has touched my heart so much as I think back Mm. to how God was guiding me through those days of just putting one Mm. foot in front of the other and just keep moving without looking too far into the future. Mm -hmm. I, I wrote down some of the lyrics from it because she says, I won't look too far ahead. It's too much for me to take, but break it down to this next breath, this next step, this next choice is one that I can make. And Mm -hmm. I think we see that scripturally too, that Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, just Mm -hmm. focus on today. I've always thought also back similarly in those kinds Mm -hmm. of situations with the passage that says, um, to trust in the Lord with all your heart, Mm -hmm. lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Mm -hmm. But thinking about that, he's directing our path, being a light and to our feet, Mm -hmm. not necessarily a floodlight Mm -hmm. to the entire road. Right. That I think that next step Mm -hmm. is the one that we're able to see. And I think sometimes that's God's provision too. Mm -hmm. Because if I knew the entire path, Mm -hmm. that would be too much for me to swallow. Mm -hmm. But I can trust if he's going to make a light for my next step, Mm -hmm. I can trust that Mm -hmm. step. Totally. Right. I think that that's, I'm such a planner and I want to know what's ahead and what's the plan. I love looking through my calendar and knowing, you know, what's coming Mm -hmm. up a year from now. And, but I think in God's graciousness, especially in this sort of a thing, when we don't know what's ahead, it, it's better. It Mm -hmm. would feel overwhelming to know, oh, this is how you're going to feel on that day, or this is what you're going to face. This is the decision you're going to have to face. But when it happens, if you're really just looking one day at a time, it mm. it is manageable because that's when his Holy Spirit mm. is present in us, is giving us the grace for that moment, mm. not for some future thing, but for that mm. moment. That also makes me think about the passage where he, he prays, give us this day our daily bread. Right. That it's daily bread. Mm-hmm. This is the bread you're going to have for today. Mm-hmm. And then I'll give you your daily bread mm-hmm. tomorrow. Yeah. And I'll give you your daily bread mm-hmm. the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think in terms of, I think the question then Mm -hmm. is like, well, so what is the next thing? And I feel like that that's where in the moment you can say to yourself, well, what is it? It's not probably looking ahead to what is that surgery down the road Mm -hmm. if you're facing chemo today, or what is that thing that you're going to have to face in the future? But it's what can I do today? Does that mean spending time Mm -hmm. with my children or turning on worship music or just addressing whatever, maybe planning for that thing that's coming up on Monday, but not so mm-hmm. far off into the future. And I thought the way that you chose your yeses so intentionally really made a big difference for you, that you chose to say yes to things that were going to feed you and feed your family well, and not necessarily feeding your family in that there were things that you had to even allow other people to be the yeses. Mm-hmm. For them. So let's mm-hmm. talk about some of the wise, intentional ways that you chose to say yes to certain things mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. during that time. So I feel like there were a few things that I would say yes and kind of advise, maybe in the moment I didn't even do all this perfectly myself, but right. would advise someone else listening to maybe think about yeah. these things is just to say yes to letting other people help. Because that's so hard mm-hmm. because it's so easy to just say, oh, no, I got it. I I carried around a lot of kind of, 
a burden on feeling like people helped me and now I needed to help them in in some way Mm -hmm. and to realize like that's not the way it works like that people were getting a chance to do ministry themselves by supporting Mm -hmm. us and like just to let that be the case and Mm -hmm. not feel like well I need to write them the best thank you card ever or I need to like no just to let people help and Mm -hmm. and say yes to just accepting that with grace um and kind of in general just to be gentle with myself and try to realize like there's not a right or a wrong way to walk through a Mm. difficult Mm -hmm. medical diagnosis or any trial that you're dealing with I mean you just do what you can in the moment Mm -hmm. um people aren't judging you or or shouldn't be (laughs) judging you for any of those things I think we think that it should look a certain way Mm -hmm our life in general in any kind of a crisis. We mm-hmm. think life should look a certain way. But when things are hard or bad, giving ourselves grace to say, no, there's grace in today. Mm-hmm. God is a God of grace. Mm-hmm. We're going to take today mm-hmm. with open hands. Mm-hmm. And it isn't going to look like our prettiest day probably, mm-hmm. but that's not what every day is going to look mm-hmm. like. Exactly. And just having that openness to accept that there are going to be good days and there's going to be bad. And to realize that it's normal to feel scared or hopeless Mm -hmm. or have grief or whatever, and not to judge ourselves for that, but to realize that those are the moments that God walks Mm -hmm. through us and walks with us through that. And you talked about even getting help through that Mm -hmm. with getting, getting therapy. Mm -hmm. So planning on that from the start, you would say, you would say, don't wait until later. No. To say, okay, now maybe mm-hmm. we need some therapy. You would say, mm-hmm. let's visit Just this. do it. And I think that we can have some stigma about going, you mm-hmm. know, to a therapist. Oh, no, I'm not supposed to do this. I should just get through this. But that's not, we, we've at different points over the past few years enrolled our children, myself, my husband have consulted with mm-hmm. people. I probably the most regularly, and I still do. I mean, there's still aftermath of all of this to deal with and to look back on because in the moment, it can be hard to process some of those emotions that are going on. And it's only afterwards that life slows down. And it's okay, now I can kind of revisit how hard Mm -hmm. that was. Um, And I do have a couple tips if people are looking for therapy, because I think sometimes it's like, well, where do I even go? Um, I have found a lot of people just through psychology today, because we've moved a couple times, Mm -hmm. so we've needed to find new people. Um, Psychology Today website just has a database that you can look through. Or If you don't have medical insurance that covers therapy, a lot of times a hospital that you're going to or a doctor might be able to direct you to a social worker who might be provided through the hospital or Mm -hmm. to some kind of a support group or something that will be able to provide um, that. But I would, we said yes to therapy and I'm really glad that we did. So what would be some tips that you would give someone that would be things they could put into practice? Yes. Um, I made a list. So, um, one thing is to take family pictures, especially mm-hmm. if you're going to be going through any kind of chemo or some kind of surgery, I think. But really, there's always a good reason to take yes. family pictures. But that's something that we mm-hmm. did both with my mom before she got really sick and also with myself. And it's just nice to be able to look back on that time. And that would be um, something a friend could also offer to pay for. Totally. To say, mm-hmm. I'm going to send a photographer to your house yes. on Saturday mm-hmm. and whatever it looks like is great. Right. But that would be really good Definitely. for you guys to do. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, seeking out time in nature or walking. I think Mm -hmm. that those are things that just support our mental and our physical health so well, and hopefully can be done no matter kind of how bad you're feeling. Or if you have a child going through a medical situation, you can push them in a stroller or whatever. But I think trying to focus on that 
And speaking of children, I think being transparent with your own children, that is something that we did both with my mom and with myself. And I think it was definitely the right thing to do that we kind of were able to give them little bits of information all the Mm -hmm. way along because we did it gradually. Mm -hmm. Oh, guys, grandma is sick. We were going to go back and be with her while she's having some treatment. And then we were able down the road to say the treatment's not working anymore and, and go on. Whereas I feel like some people, I think that temptation is like, well, we won't even burden them with that information. We just won't tell them. But kids know that something's going on. Absolutely, They know that mom and dad are talking worried about something. And so I think, and then it's like this rush of like, or they're never told at all and they just show up and see. Right. And then it's scary. Mm -hmm. So I think that prepares them to not be scared and allow them to Mm -hmm. process it. Yeah. And so we tried to involve our kids as much as possible by my daughters came and helped me like cut my hair short because Mm -hmm. we knew it Mm -hmm. it was going to be lost. And we didn't handle all the parenting stuff perfectly, but I think definitely trying to include your kids as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And the impression I got based on being at my cancer center was that not all families do that. People kind of said, we don't usually see kids here and stuff. But I thought it's just so much better for them to be able to see where I'm going to be and and kind Mm -hmm. of be able to walk alongside us in that Mm -hmm. process. I think the unknown can hold a lot of fear for Mm -hmm. children. So removing the unknown Mm -hmm. without handing them the burden Mm -hmm. of the potentials of what could be is a really, really healthy place to be. Yeah. That's wonderful. And your children also, I know from talking with them that they've spoken of it so Mm matter-of-factly, which is interesting. I've never heard a child Mm -hmm. be so in such a healthy way mm-hmm. that when we've talked about different things together and I think we were one of our musicals because I've done performing arts with mm-hmm. them one of the musicals that we were talking about um when things have been scary and how God was there for us right and I don't remember which one it was but mm-hmm. one of them said well it was scary when my mom had cancer but God was there for us and mm-hmm. hearing her share so confidently and all the other kids looked like what? right <laughs> but it was just beautiful because it's part of her testimony mm-hmm. that she has to share of God's faithfulness mm-hmm. in such an amazing way yeah so you guys yeah. did very well I think thank you thanks um a couple other tips I would have are I think sleep across the board anytime you're going through a crisis can be really hard mm-hmm. personally for me it's really helped to listen to something as I fall asleep mm-hmm. I have like earbuds threaded through my pillowcase so that I'm not worried yeah. about it like getting wrapped up around my neck but I just pop an earbud in at night and even now and listen mm-hmm. to podcasts as I fall asleep. Never your podcast. Yeah, I devote you. my full attention to it. <laughs> of course, um, of course. <laughs> but that just helps kind of if you're mm. going through a, you know, challenging time, anxious thoughts, just to have something to kind of help me drift off mm-hmm. to sleep really helps. Um, have you ever listened to scripture lullabies? No. That's one of our favorites to listen to when our mm-hmm. minds are wandering or in hard places at nights mm-hmm. or when our kids are, mm-hmm. because it's these calm lullaby songs, mm-hmm. feeling of songs, but it's all scripture filled. Wow. And so that's, that's another great. beautiful one that's that great. How would could you look find to. those? Uh, anything, I mean, anywhere you listen to music, uh-huh. Spotify or Amazon or, mm-hmm. you know, Ask Your Echo, whatever yeah. it is, to uh-huh. listen to scripture lullabies and it's okay. beautiful. That's great. I'll have to try that. Yeah. Um, I created a playlist actually before Mm. we were moving overseas and I called it Courage and it has sustained me through all these years. I even listened to it on the way here to record just knowing we would be talking about this. But just a lot of worship songs, although the Frozen 2 song is in there too. Of course. (laughs) Um, And so we can make that available in the show notes, I think you said. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. The links to all these things will be in the show notes for people to be able to find easily themselves to use too. Perfect. But that having music to listen to, when I was doing radiation, you have to stay frozen for a few minutes and I actually asked they didn't volunteer this to me but 
I actually asked, can I have my phone with me? Cause it was really hard to be like frozen in place, kind of alone with my thoughts. And I would just turn on that playlist mm. and play it or, you know, in the car on the way to and from treatment or visiting my mom or whatever. That was really helpful. And I also printed a couple pages and we'll make these available too, but printed a couple pages and it just as like words for when I'm feeling afraid, just to kind mm. of be reminding myself of different Bible verses or song lyrics or things to just remember in that moment. That's wonderful. Mm. And then um, you mentioned too about looking back to see God's faithfulness. Yeah, I think that in the moment, it, even for people listening to this, I think it's easy for me now to talk with some spiritual maturity and just, you know, as you... But in the moment, I think you're not always seeing that. It's just, what am I doing today? I'm looking around and the house is a mess and I feel horrible and I'm so stressed and everything. But I think when we look back, it can become easier to see, Mm -hmm. oh wait, God was working in that. When I even think back to the fact that we moved overseas with our little kids, like in the moment that felt so hard, but it sounds impossible sitting here with you. (laughs) But now once we were going through these other things, it became more apparent how the Lord had been preparing our hearts through that Mm -hmm. time. And some of the ways that he had shown up simply in the decision for us to say like, yes, Lord, we will move overseas to this really hard country. And with these really little kids, some of the lessons that he had taught me then now I can see in the moment it felt really hard but now I can see how he was just preparing me and so Mm -hmm. when we can kind of see some of those threads of his faithfulness through different times um it really I think it's just a good practice and I don't have a formal practice for doing that I mean I think some people might journal or gratitude journal or something yeah but and I did try to list things I was thankful for. And Mm. so that has helped. That helped me daily have an attitude of, okay, what can I look at and acknowledge with thankfulness? But some of those big sweeping themes where I can look back and say, wait, God showed up in a way that I never could have imagined have only come about after time and kind of reflecting back and looking at pictures and kind of thinking back to that time and seeing his goodness. Absolutely. And so if someone has a friend who's in this situation, let's talk about some tangible ways Mm -hmm. that they could support their friend without having to ask their friend. Or maybe that is one of the ways. So what would you say? So, I mean, my number one advice, no matter what, is just not to say, let me know if I can help, which is really Mm. easy to say. I know I've been guilty of that at times, maybe in a Facebook comment or, you know, praying for you, let me know what I can do. And the reality is, I think for most people going through that situation, they're never going to follow up with you and say mm-hmm. how you can help. I mean, it just that kind of vague, let me know, just it puts the burden on the on person them. who's already mm-hmm. going through a lot to now come up with a way you can help. So I think instead for people to think of how can I be specific and take action. And I have four ideas that I think could work for a lot of people. The first one is to send a card with a, some kind of a thoughtful message, and then either money or a really easy-to-use gift card, mm-hmm. meaning not a gift card for some place that's 45 minutes away from that person mm-hmm. or only sells two specific kind of things, but like Amazon, Target, a drive through restaurant that you know is nearby that person's house. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that's just a really easy thing that I think everybody can do, even if you only send $5. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be some huge extravagant gift, but I think I can't think of very many people who are going to say, man, I'm bummed I got this encouraging card right. and some money to help out mm-hmm. my family to be able to go out to eat or use for medical mm-hmm. bills or whatever. And I would think too, if this is a mom who's listening and they know of somebody, inc- bringing your children alongside you in that mm-hmm. too, to write the card with you mm-hmm. and to let them incur include a note mm-hmm. and then to pray over it together mm-hmm. before you send it because that's also modeling for them. This is how we love people mm-hmm. because if we don't show them, then mm-hmm. they don't get to learn. Totally. So that's really important totally. too. Yeah. And that's so simple. And if you have a card- But it's not- If you got 10 of those, that's not simple. That's really important. Mm -hmm. Totally. And I think just being able to send a card through the mail is just Mm -hmm. easy. And for you as the person who's trying to help, I feel like you can do that. It doesn't have to be this, oh, well, I have to drive across town to Mm -hmm. go drop something. Like, no, Mm -hmm. just send something in the mail and and do it. Um, The second thing would be to drive across town Mm -hmm. (laughs) potentially, but to take food in some way. And I think people think of take somebody a meal, which is wonderful. And I think if you have the capacity and you like to cook and you can make an extra lasagna or something like that's wonderful to give to somebody. But I also think if you don't love to do that or you're finding yourself thinking, I don't have capacity. That's overwhelming right now. I'm trying to make meal for my my (laughs) own family, not, you know, to make a second meal for somebody else. Even just to take a grocery bag with some easy snacks Mm -hmm. something that maybe isn't going to go bad right away if that person doesn't use it Mm -hmm. but it could be like boxes of cereal or granola bars or goldfish crackers for the kids or you know a bag of fresh fruit or someone showed up with a trader joe's bag full of goodness Uh like i would never say but wait you didn't home make it no it would Totally, totally bless me and my mm-hmm. family and paper goods too. That exactly. was something I loved when I had mm-hmm. new babies, when someone mm-hmm. brought me a meal with all of the paper goods. Yes. So then I didn't have to do dishes. Right. There's no guilt in that. Exactly. And exactly. no child has ever complained about right. eating on paper goods. Right. <laughs> exactly. And I think again, that can seem a little more doable because if you have a bag of Trader Joe's goodies, you can just drop that off at your convenience. You Mm -hmm. don't have to coordinate, oh, I'm going to have this hot meal in my casserole Mm -hmm. dish and here's how to get my dish back. And again, if you want to do that, that's fine. But I just, sometimes I feel like it can be constricting Mm -hmm. to think I can't make a full meal Mm -hmm. and to realize, no, there's other stuff that you can do. One other tangible thing with bringing a meal that someone did for me once is Mm -hmm. when they set up a meal train for me, they put on the meal train to please only bring the items in disposable containers, which really helped me Mm -hmm. because I am the idea of having a new baby and then like multiple things that I need to get back to people would have actually felt overwhelming Mm -hmm. to me more than not having the meal probably would have felt. Uh So that's another idea is Mm -hmm. asking people, whoever's setting it up to bring it in disposable things is helpful. That's a great idea. Um, That kind of leads into the next thing. And I think this is probably better if you know somebody personally. Those first couple of ideas you could do for anybody. Mm -hmm. Like some random person that you heard about in church and you don't know them well. Another soccer mom. Right. Go drop off some snacks or give them a gift card or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think if it's somebody that you know better, to offer to coordinate in some way could be really helpful. Because I think communication can be one of the very hardest things when you're going through a trial yourself you don't have or or you know for a really close loved one if yes. your parent is going through something or your child you don't have the words to say mm-hmm. or the and, capacity right. to deal with that and it can also feel kind of awkward mm-hmm. I mean it feels awkward to like set yes. up a meal train for yourself, for yourself. <laughs> yes. um 
or to say, here guys, please give you know me yes. this item that I really need. So if somebody else can just kind of stand in the gap for that person and to say, hey, can I set up a meal train for you? Can I set up a way to communicate their health status? There's, I've seen people use caringbridge.com. Mm-hmm. We didn't personally use it, but I think that that's an option or an email list mm-hmm. or a private Instagram. However, if there's a way for somebody else to be able to communicate that health information mm-hmm. and say so-and-so is doing well or they're in for their next treatment or whatever, that could just be really helpful to kind of be the intermediary mm-hmm. for that person. And then that and person... also being their protector in that way, that exactly. they don't need to give every bit of information, exactly. but they can kind of guard their friend yeah. in a special mm-hmm. way. Exactly. And then people can direct their questions yes. to that same contact mm-hmm. person. How can we help? What do we need to do? Or that person can communicate. They would really love McDonald's gift cards, mm-hmm. or they would really love a babysitter for their child or yep. something, and they can be the person to help do that. Um, and just kind of to ask bluntly to the person going through this, like, what do you guys actually need? And to be yes. able to share that with people. Um, and then my final suggestion is for people to check in down the road. Mm-hmm. I think in a lot of these cases, the support comes in right away, which is wonderful. I mean, we needed that. We needed that flood of support when everything felt like it was crashing down and all of these things are happening. But some of the most meaningful things for me were also people who checked back in down the road. And so I think it's good to do something right away. I wouldn't say like, don't do something immediately because then you might forget. Mm -hmm. But if you could also mark your calendar for six months or a year down the road to check in and just follow up and it could be another gift. It could be a card. Mm -hmm. It could be a meal, whatever, even just a text message. I had somebody who sent me, we didn't know super well through my husband's work who sent cards faithfully every month for like two years. And they were always just little like lighthearted jokes. And Mm -hmm. it was just felt so meaningful to me because I was actually still going through treatment. Mm -hmm. I did oral chemotherapy for a long time, but I looked good. My hair was growing back. I was taking just, I was shocked actually when you said something, I remember us being together and you saying, well, I'm finishing up my treatment. Uh I was like, what? Right. Uh huh. (laughs) And so no one would know. Right. And so like, thankfully I was doing better, but I was still going through things. And even I've had an IV every six months for the past couple of years. And it Mm. just, while I was still going through stuff, it kind of felt like the rest of the world had moved on in a, in an okay way. I don't mean that like judgmentally towards anybody, but the people who did maybe check in on my health or maybe do something. Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm remembering, you know, I have a friend who usually checks in on mother's day with me because she knows that I lost my mom. And just those kind of things can feel meaningful Mm -hmm. because when all of those other things have petered out. And I think this was the case for me. And I've heard it from a lot of other patients as well, that there's something about your body that you kind of get through some of the initial treatment things on adrenaline of, Mm. okay, you're moving forward. I don't remember feeling nearly as anxious during my treatment as afterwards. And so just to have people continuing to check in like that Mm -hmm. with a encouragement or whatever could be really valuable. 
And I would say a tool for that too would be to put it on your calendar to actually mm-hmm. schedule out. If you know, mm-hmm. ask your friend, when are you having your next treatments mm-hmm. or when do you have them? And mm-hmm. put it on your calendar yes. to remind you to reach out to them mm-hmm. because otherwise our lives get going and we mm-hmm. get busy and forget. But if I put on my calendar, it's going to be her anniversary of when she heard about her mm-hmm. diagnosis. I need to reach out to her yeah. again. Mm-hmm. That would be very useful. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So what are some things that someone should be sensitive of? You mentioned not saying, what mm-hmm. can I do? Yeah. What else? Um, I think... Being careful not to question somebody's treatment decisions. I actually never had this mm-hmm. happen to me, but I you think, think a well-meaning, crunchy mom might yeah. do that. <laughs> I I have heard of other people I know who have been in mm-hmm. situations where they've mm-hmm. chosen to do chemo or or whatever. I mean, this isn't even just for cancer, but they've chosen yeah. whatever kind of traditional medical treatment, mm-hmm. and people have said, "No, you shouldn't do this," or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Somebody's chosen to do a really natural route, and people are going, "You're irresponsible. What are you yeah. thinking?" And so I think just to try to not judge people about that, I think it's hard because especially maybe with the more natural minded stuff, Mm -hmm. you're wanting to give information. Mm -hmm. And I think just to kind of check yourself and think, am I actually being helpful or how could I ask this in a way that would be kind and thoughtful to that person to maybe say like, I have some information about natural remedies would you be interested in more information Mm -hmm. or not? Mm -hmm. Something that gives the person an opportunity or maybe you don't even ask the patient directly, but ask the husband or the mom. Absolutely. Yeah. So that that person doesn't feel burdened and then try to communicate that all maybe succinctly. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'll put together one email and send it your way. And in that case, I actually think it may be is good to say, let me know. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'll send you one email. Let me know if you want more. Mm-hmm. Because it is nice. And I have done some natural treatment myself. But it's also tricky if you're getting bombarded mm-hmm. with that information. Um, I think that that's just really good. Yeah, absolutely. And then also, you mentioned supporting their spouse, too. Yes. And I think that, that my husband did so much. And I think... Mm-hmm. He did feel supported, obviously, especially by meals mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I think of some people. At one point, I was going through one of my surgeries, and a friend came and like took him out for a burger while they were waiting for me to get mm-hmm. out of it. And that was just really meaningful. Um, yeah. Yeah. And for you even to know that mm-hmm. he was being loved on. Exactly. And would you say it's ever too late for someone to love on someone, even if they're out of their treatment? And you're like, no. man, I should have done something. No, I don't think so. I mean, even now, if somebody said to me, like... I don't expect anybody to do this, but even if somebody now and I am done, um, man, it must have been a lot for you to go through that. Here's a card to let you know I was thinking of you. Mm-hmm. I think it would be valuable. And I've tried to remember that myself because sometimes I feel like, oh, well, that person shared on Facebook, even not just about a diagnosis. I know people who have gone through like a miscarriage mm-hmm. and I think to myself, I missed it. That was four months ago. Oh, it's too late. And to realize no. it's on that person's heart. You're not going to like mm-hmm. re-stir up those memories. Like That person already thinks about that regularly. Go ahead and do whatever is on your heart to help and support them. Absolutely. So what word of hope would you give to the mom? If we wanted to wrap this up, who's mm-hmm. in that in that place? Mm-hmm. So the Bible verse that really spoke to me um, through all of my treatments and everything was from second corinthians 4 16 through 18 and it says therefore we do not lose heart though outwardly we are wasting away yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all 
So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Mm. Well, it's a beautiful way to, to wrap it up. Kelly, I can't thank you enough for being willing to share from what was, I'm sure, one of the very hardest, hardest mm-hmm. moments of your life and your story. And I know that God is going to use it in great ways. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. If you are in the midst of a crisis situation right now and this just hit home for you, I would encourage you to check the show notes today to see the resources that Kelly has put together so that you can have those to be available for you as well. And if you have friends who are in this situation, I hope that you'll take some notes on some of the advice that Kelly had to give of ways that you can be the hands and feet of Jesus for that person and as an act of service, as an act of worship, love on the people who God has put into your life who are in difficult places right now. I want to go ahead and pray a blessing over us um, as we wrap things up here. Dear Heavenly Father, you know the women who are hearing this conversation today. You know the woman who is hearing this, who is in a crisis herself right now, who has to take the next step and do the next right thing and that it feels like too much and she doesn't know where her path is going and the burden just feels too heavy to carry. But Lord, thank you that you say that your burden is easy and light. We can give you that weight and you will carry it for us. Thank you that you will make a light to our path that we can take a step, that you will give us our daily bread every single day, that next that next bit we have to do. I pray for that mama. I pray you lift her burden. I pray you give her rest, that you give her peace. And Lord, I pray for the friend who's hearing this today with tear-filled eyes, for the friend who's going through something hard, for the sister or the mom who's in a hard place. Thank you, Lord, for putting that burden on her heart that she can help carry that for that woman. I pray that you bring to mind the ways that she can tangibly love well through this and that your Holy Spirit prompts her heart at the times that she needs the reminder to go and be your hands and feet, that your Holy Spirit just stirs up in her exactly what that mom needs because you know, you know her heart. Lord, help us to love well. Help people to see you in the way we can love people well when they're in hard times because that's what you did, Lord, and we want to follow your example in that. Thank you, Lord, for Kelly. Thank you for your faithfulness in her life and her willingness to share her testimony of your faithfulness today. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any of our weekly conversations. And check out our show notes below where I have links to the resources mentioned on the podcast. I release a new podcast every Monday and additional content at seekholyliving.com, including a video of this conversation and a deeper dive into all things mom. Also, be sure to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Seek Holy Living for more fun and conversation. If this was an encouragement to you, please share it with your friends. And join us next week for the first conversation in our Healthy Family series about chiropractic.